Hey, my name's Julia, and welcome to the Freelance Dietitian Podcast. I left my full-time clinical dietitian job to pursue freelance work, and now I'm showing you how to do the same. If you want to learn how to make money freelancing, you're in the right place. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Dietitian Podcast. I have been managing the Freelance Dietitian brand for one year, and I thought it's a great point to go over some of the most popular business advices I've seen online or that I have personally received and break it down and tell you which pieces of advice were really helpful and which kind of messages I probably would not share for future budding entrepreneurs. Before we dive into today's content, I just want to give a plug for my course, the Freelance Dietitian Course for Beginners. The enrollment will be closing on Friday, April 8th. So far, I've had several RDs sign up and send me messages saying that they've adjusted their pitching and they're actually signing clients on. And it's just so exciting to see that the material is working. It is helping new freelance RDs start their journey. And it's so cool. So if you want to sign up, you have until Friday, April 8th. Let's get back to today's content. I'm going to dive right in and start with the number one piece of advice I ever received. This was a couple years ago. And it was that you need to have years of experience as a dietitian before you can open up your dietitian business. I would say this is 100% false. It's a message that I think is regurgitated from other RDs because they heard it, so it gets passed down. And I don't think I received that advice in any form of malice. Literally, like I said, I think it was just regurgitating what they were told when they were brand new RDs. Ultimately, I just boil it down to a simple fact where if you are If you have your license and you're qualified to work for an employer, you are 100% qualified to work for yourself as well. It doesn't matter if you're doing one-on-one care or if you're doing freelancing. I just really think that if you're willing to to do the work and get paid for somebody else, then you are absolutely entitled to be doing it for yourself and pay yourself out as well and be your own boss. So that's the first one. Number two is that freelancing is safer than full-time employment. And I first heard this piece of advice from Alex Vizzullo. She's a self-made millionaire using the freelancing platform called Fiverr. And it was in one of her videos and I remember her saying it and I just rejected it. I was just like, no way. Is she really saying that self-employment is safer than a nine to five job? Like what? And I was intrigued. So I kept going because I'm like, okay, I'm going to let her develop this idea. Like I'm, I need to hear her thoughts. And ultimately the way she broke it down was saying that Managing your own income and being in charge of your own income is safer than relying on a company to pay you for the rest of your professional career. And you know what? I agree with her. I do think it's way safer. I I totally got egg on my face because that year, part of the things that were happening at my workplace is my employers wanted to cut back my hours. And I worked in a really cushy government secure job. It was only one RD, so there was no duplication of services. And boom, my livelihood was about to be cut in half, something I never, ever expected. In that moment, the only thing I could think of was how grateful I was that I had my own income to rely on because we had also recently bought a house. I had mortgage payments, like life to keep up with. And I just literally thought, the first thing I thought of was Alex Fazulo, and I'm like, she's right. Being in charge of my own money and making sure I provide for myself is safer than relying on an employer. So yeah, take that for with a grain of salt. You think about it, marinate it on a bit, marinate on that thought a bit, and let me know what you think. 
Number three, if a client can't pay your rates, then you should just cut them loose. At first, like when I first heard this piece of advice, I interpreted it as a way of saving yourself from dealing with somebody who's going to be unreasonable and just never going to afford you. So it was like, just don't even bother with the hassle, just cut them loose. You know what? In retrospect, I would change that piece of advice. I would say to a degree, again, making sure the client's reasonable. I would say the more mature approach from a business perspective is to arrive collaboratively to the conversation and discuss tweaking the scope of the project or the deliverables to fit your client's budget. Like that is 100% a better business practice that I have adopted. And it ultimately leads to more work, more networking, happy clients, you know, and it's just a better business practice. So an example might be, okay, you have a budget of this many dollars, you know, based on my rates, that means that I can only really give you service A out of my ABC services. And then you just work with them and you make them feel heard and you make them feel supported. And then maybe one day they grow their budget and they can afford your A, B, and C services. Like you just never know, but it's better to keep the door open than to close it on everybody who tells you no. Again, that being said, if somebody's just being completely unreasonable and asking for discounts and lowballing everything you do, like that's a different story. That's not collaborative. That's just them trying to suck you dry <laughs> and get everything for as little money as possible. So yeah, then it would be appropriate to let that person go. Number four is that you need to be on social media to succeed. I think this is false. I think it's kind of an, the easiest first step when you develop your business. It's also fun and exciting and you make really pretty content and it's just like so cool and it's a great first step. But in terms of, you know, a, a metric for success in your business, I don't think it converts. And the reason is exactly that because people who view your your content are unlikely to be converted into a paying client. The conversion rate is very low. They just scroll by, they get to know you, they get to know your brand, which is really helpful. But the people who are more likely to actually buy your services are probably going to be on your wait list or maybe even subscribe to a podcast or, you know, following you on LinkedIn, which is a space specifically designed for professional networking. Like that's where you're going to see greater success in your business. So again, social media, it's good for networking. I like what another RD once said, which is just that social media should be for socializing, you know, having conversations, but it shouldn't necessarily be the place where you are going to be making a killing in your business and seeing a lot of growth. Number five is that you don't have to pay taxes until you earn X amount of dollars. This is false. Whenever you make money, it is taxable income. Even if you're in a freelance hoodie design business and you sell 10 hoodies a year, that money that you've earned is considered taxable. So the way that you prepare for this is to save 25 to 30% of your revenue into a separate bank account, and then you use that money to pay your taxes. So in Canada, it's annually. In the US, the tax schedule varies. It can be quarterly, it could be biannually. Um, but yeah, you're going to be in charge when you're your own boss, you're in charge of paying the taxes. So you need to make sure that you're setting some aside. Number six is that freelancing is a lonely pursuit. This advice is true. And I'm glad that I received it because it allowed me to prepare myself with other social outlets that I relied on at my work, right? Like no more water cooler talk. Now I have to be a little bit more proactive and seek opportunities. So 
for, it depends on your interests. Like that might look differently for you. It could be that you join a recreational sports league. It could be that you join some kind of art class or some kind of, you know, community maybe in your local area that's devoted to freelancing. It's amazing how many are out there. You just have to Google search them. Um, or other dietitians or friends, like something to get you out of the house and socializing so that you don't feel like your whole workday is isolated and alone and that you don't have any like friends to bounce ideas off of. That being said, it's a great segue to uh, connecting with a business buddy. So myself and Sarah Kerr, she manages the Kerminator. She was a guest on the show, actually. We have business buddy meetings every Tuesday afternoon. And we both said like, wow, like I am so much more accountable. I love these meetings. Like I really look forward to them because it just like gives a little wind under your wings when you just need it. Because being a business owner, like I said, it can be very isolating and you're in charge of every decision. So having someone else to lean on and bounce ideas from is invaluable. We love those meetings, like best decision ever. So that's another way that you can kind of prevent any loneliness from creeping in from being a freelancer. Number seven is that you need to make six figures to be a successful business owner. Oof, okay. When I first started freelancing, that was completely what I was devoted to. That was my only mission in life was to make six figures, partly because I knew I could never reach that salary in my nine to five job. So it was my white whale that I was chasing down. But second, because the marketing of every single freelance thing I saw was all about money. Make more money, make six figures, make six figures in your sleep, earn passive income, you know, work 10 hours a week and make six figures. Sorry, I know I'm going on, but that was the messaging. So then you just start to think like, oh, this is normal. This is what people expect. Like if I don't make six figures, what's wrong with me? Everybody else seems to be doing it. And that can be a really hard uh, mind pit to pull yourself out of. So yeah, I don't think that's good advice. I think other reasons that should be ahead of your financial goals would be that you want to freelance because you're interested in challenging yourself. You're interested in project-based work. Do you want to try something new? You want to push the RD boundary of what dietitians are doing. And then all that to say, like wanting money isn't a bad thing. There's no shame in wanting money. But I think if you build a freelancing business with your only goal being financial, uh, I think you're, you could get yourself in some hot water and really feel unfulfilled. And then, you know, how much money is enough money? One last point about this uh, about this specific one, and then I'll move on, is that I remember seeing this Facebook thread about RDs who are earning several six-figure incomes from their business. And, you know, I think the question was like, what did you do to reach that goal? And then I loved this response that a lady provided, and I don't forget her name, I'm so sorry. But she said, you know, when I started this business, I never expected to reach this level of wealth. She's like, it was never on my radar. She's like, I was just passionate. I showed up every day to do the hard work that I believed in, that gave me energy, that, you know, made me jump out of bed in the morning. And then boom, like the success came afterwards. But she says, when I first started my business, I had no concept of the amount of money that I would eventually be making. And I think about that, I literally think about that once a week because I think it's true. I think it's easy to get seduced by the dollar instead of just focusing on the actual work and passion that needs to be there before you can achieve that kind of wealth. So yeah, so something else to consider. Number eight is that your insurance will cover freelance work. You know what? For most dietitians, it probably won't. You need to follow up with your insurance provider and see what they are covering you. 
with, <laughs> sorry, that came out a little bit jumbled. When I first started freelance writing, I was one of the unicorns and somehow my insurance company was covering it to a certain degree, so it was fine. I didn't have to change anything, but then once I started to get a little bit more involved in more clinical pieces where a little bit more scientific evidence was required and more broad recommendations were being offered to the public, it was viewed as slightly riskier, so I needed to change my insurance plan a little bit. If you're also doing cooking demos or interacting with patients, I mean, that's a different ball game. So yeah, be prepared to talk to your insurance people. And most importantly, be prepared to provide some kind of samples of the freelance work you're doing. I remember for writing, I had to submit different blogs that I had published so they could really get a true assessment of the risk. Number nine, it's saturated. Freelancing is saturated. No, 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 no. This is not true. Freelancing for dietitians will never be saturated. And I know that's a huge statement, but it is 100% true. And it boils down to just the math. If you think about how many RDs are graduated every year and licensed, it will always be a drop in the bucket compared to the amount of people who are logging into the online space and creating online businesses. Like think of everybody in the world who has access to a computer. That is a com- that is a potential client for you to work with, and it will always outnumber the number of RDs who are available to do freelancing work. So saying it's saturated, it's not true. I recognize that sometimes it, that can come out of a place of fear or maybe a little bit like a safety mechanism that we tell ourselves before we put ourselves out there to try something a little bit scary. Um, but no, it's not true. And if it's holding you back, you need to shelve that fear and just go for it. Fortunately, I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was just in conversation with a friend, but the snowball effect in freelancing is very real. It can take a couple years. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but after a while, people are going to notice you. They're going to see your name everywhere and they're going to start seeking your services out. And I think a great example of that was actually Kat, the VA who came on the show you know, she'd been doing some virtual assistant work and then boom, like six months later, she's actually hiring other virtual assistants to work under her. Like it just takes off. You just have to be willing to show up and do the work. And that leads me into the final advice is that freelancing is easy. Mm -mm, I would not say freelancing is easy. However, it is so rewarding and the amount of wins and self-fulfillment you achieve are gonna be worth all of the sweat and doubt and, you know, sweaty palms. I think that freelancing is a phenomenal option for RDs because we know what it means to work hard. We know what it means to achieve outstanding results, like getting your license was no easy feat. And I think RDs are great candidates to take over the freelancing landscape. So yeah, not easy, but 100% worth it. That is the end of this episode. I hope some of this information resonated with you or inspired you. If any of it, I mean, you are completely rejecting it. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from you and discuss it a bit further. Uh, Yeah, next week, I'm going to be back on the show doing a solo episode. I'm answering some questions about business coaching because I get asked that a lot. I think many of you are aware that last year I ended up hiring two different business coaches for two different reasons uh, or to help me with two different businesses, I mean. And yeah, so I have quite a bit of experience that's still fresh. So I think a lot of people want to know more about that. So That'll be next week's topic. For now, please consider leaving a five-star review for the show or leaving some love in the comment section of whatever podcast streaming app you're using. 
it really helps to build authority for show and gets us noticed a little bit more. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great week and I'll be back here next Tuesday. Bye.